Welcome to the best band I ever played with. This is a podcast about people who play live music. Not people who are famous from playing live music and not necessarily people who play live music as their full-time job. But this is about people who travel from pub to pub to basement to basement, small venue to small venue, playing in front of small crowds, getting paid in small amounts of cash and a couple of cans of Red Stripe if they're lucky, but still make up a vitally important part of any society's culture. Whilst the COVID-19 pandemic has sort of slowed all of it down, I thought it'd be nice to take a pause and have a chat to these people, see what they've learnt along the way, see why they do it, and find out who the best band they ever played with was. At the time of this podcast being released, um, there's talk of everything going back to normal by spring 2021, with a new vaccine making breakthroughs and trials. I hope you agree with me in saying that underground musicians and those who work in small pubs should get the vaccines first. My guest for this episode is one of the loveliest guys you could ever hope to meet. In addition to being the singer of Southend's finest indie pop group, Ruskin, he's spent a lot of hours driving other bands around the UK and Europe on tour. In this chat, we talk about Southend, the secret to being a good tour bus driver, and of course, the best band he ever played with. More from me at the end, but please enjoy this conversation with Rob Hum. I've just got a phone call and it's just trimmed off the first minute of that chat. Yes, but I've put it on Do Not Disturb now. Mate. Um, should we do that again? <laughs> should we restart this thing? Um, all right, this is what we'll do, man. Okay. We can just... Go. Rob, man, how was, when was the last time you played a gig? Uh, I remember it vividly. Um, it was the 3rd of January... Um, and I was really ill and I was going to cancel it because I couldn't even speak, but we were excited. So I just, uh, persevered through and put that screamo voice on and we got through it. Um, yeah. And that was in South End. That was in South End at Trinary's, yeah, supporting the Waterfalls. They're a cool band. You should check them out. The Waterfalls. Indie pop vibes. Um... So what's the what's the live music scene typically like in Southend? Typically, um, pretty popping. Lots of good bands, lots of good singers. Recently, less popping. Um, but yeah, usually there's a good community. Um, it's quite uh, what's the word interbred, in, but in a good way. That word can sometimes have bad connotations. But no, there's a lot of. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the interbreeding, inter, interbreeding, there we are, it is. Interbreed, so, so what, just everyone's sort of popping in and out of each other's things and yeah. helping each other out? Yeah, a lot of people are playing with each other and um, helping each other out, exactly. Um, I'm trying to think of examples now. Uh, our bassist Pete is, uh, he has his own band and he plays with a couple of others. Um, Yes, I've forgotten the question. <laughs> Just South End, man. What's going on? What's, what's happening? Oh, yeah. So are you asking me what is happening currently? 
I mean, um, obviously, currently, it's all a bit skewed. Yes, skewed is the word. Yeah, but um, say in peacetime. In peacetime. I like that. I like that image. Uh, in peacetime, no, it's it's great in peacetime. It's a great place to uh, to launch a project. I think um, it's got its own bubble, and also it's uh, obviously quite close to London, so um, that's not too hard to penetrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. <laughs> oh mate, I feel dry today. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll try to milk it out, but. I forgot. I think I've forgotten what it's like in peacetime. You know, it was yeah. at, at one point. It was you know, I was living and breathing it, as they say. But now, it seems like a distant memory. Really, a distant memory. And with with the with no expectation of when it's going to return. I don't know, it's hard to get, it's hard to prepare for something that could come at any time. But I suppose that is what preparation is, right? Yeah, I mean, I completely understand what you're saying. Um, it's, it's, I think it's obviously, I mean, obviously been difficult for everyone. Um, but I think it's a, it's a weird feeling. Because, I mean, yeah, you would have been so busy as well. Yeah, yeah, things were just getting busy. Um, and with, with my band, we just put out our EP. Um, and we were planning to follow it up with a load of cool singles and a load of gigs. But um, my timeline's a bit fuzzy, but I think we released the EP just after lockdown. Um, and we'd spent so long on it, we, we just couldn't wait. We were so excited to get it out. Um, so we didn't we didn't think twice. We just thought, right, that's the date we've chosen. And then lockdown happened, and we thought we're just sticking with it. Um, and then obviously with no no chance to gig it or push it live, um, it's, it was a tough release. But really happy with what we did release. Happy with the content. Dissatisfied with the. Uh, release the post release opportunities to perform that release live yeah i think that sums it up yeah that makes sense <laughs> so how did how did you come to that decision though just to pop it out cuz i know that's been something that a lot of people have been trying to weigh up mm. obviously you know obviously cuz the gigging opportunities are pretty uh slim yeah even um, now as but yeah, so it's like I, some people. I know some people have been are still sitting on music. Uh, some people have just popped it out, like you have. <laughs> what was the, what was the like decision making uh, process? Well, I think for that one, it was kind of already decided. Um, we've been working on it for like a year, and the songs were even older than that. So that you know, the songs were starting to age to us. Not that we just dislike them, but that we just. We've just been playing them for um, a while. I can't remember how long. We've been playing for a while and we've been telling everyone about it. And it was like the first um, concrete release where we'd really got the sound down. Um, so we just, it felt like a starting point. 
and we just wanted, yeah, it was already decided that it was going to come out. We'd, we'd, we'd become so, there were frustrations in the uh, recording process that had made it longer than we anticipated, which made us more um, more excited to release it, I guess. So yeah, but I know what you mean about if I had, if I had been working on fresh stuff during the lockdown, it is a tricky decision. I suppose you have to weigh up your own your own um, confidence in the in the song or or the album, you know. And and decide whether it's the the track is still going to be current when you can gig again, because if you've got a song that's I don't know all about summer 2020 there's no point releasing it in autumn 2023 or whatever you can do a gig again so i suppose i suppose that would be the biggest factor i would weigh up i don't know is there any other factors i've missed that you would weigh up i don't know man (laughs) (laughs) don't know man yeah that's the bottom line don't know man there's no wrong answer well that's sick isn't it because it's not like um it's it's not like there's anyone to turn to for pandemic music release advice because um i mean i don't think the the indie surf scene was that big during the spanish flu (laughs) yeah i mean i've seen some releases go really well um during during the lockdown um but that doesn't that doesn't stop the fear that it could be the most disappointing thing, the most disappointing release of your life. fair bit of I mean in peacetime in peacetime uh, a fair bit of driving people around um, yes driving the bands driving the artists yes um, to around the country sometimes around other countries sometimes around other countries yes that is um, that's a nice bit of exotic <clears throat> exotica is that a word or am I thinking of erotica um, exotica is a word now <laughs> well that was a lovely slice of exotica when we got to you know head on over to calais um and explore what the continent had to offer yeah, when did that start when did you start um driving bands around i must have started driving um well me and christopher bought a van we found a van outside a scrapyard for a thousand pounds a uh, 12 seater 2004 transit minibus which you yourself may have laid eyes or even buttock cheek inside correct me if i'm wrong i've definitely been inside it i, I yeah. think i think i 
sat inside it very briefly towards the end of its life. Or uh, yeah, I forgot about its death actually. Yeah, but I mean, we'll <laughs> we'll get to the death. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, ca- anyway, carry on. You bought a got a bus for a thousand pounds. Yes, um, and we split that. Got that, and then. Because at the time we were both touring, uh, Chris had, Chris was touring his own project. Um, I wasn't touring technically; I was just gigging. But um, yeah, I had a band that I was gigging with. Um, but that's that that coincidentally seemed to dry up almost instantly after buying this van, and then I was just left with a van on the drive, and I was like, "Well, best do something with this van." Um, and a guy who I was recording with at the time, uh, his band was definitely touring. No, did I just say touring? A guy that I was recording with at the time, his band was gigging pretty hard, uh, Youth Club. Um, and I got, uh, I got a few bits of driving stuff of them. I remember the first one we did, uh, we went down to... I feel like it was Somerset or Devon for this festival or something. I remember I charged them £60 <laughs> there and back to Devon. <laughs> um, and I was like, this is the easiest, best paid job I've ever had. Um, I don't think I even broke even, but it was great fun. Yeah, and then this, this, this year it started getting pretty busy and then it all stopped. Uh, so yeah, the van's been sat on the drive for six months and now who knows? Who knows what's next, Billy? So, I'm looking at uh, an article on the Nashville Musicians Survival Guide. Okay. From 2010, which is entitled, What Does It Take to Be a Good Tour Bus Driver? Oh. Um, And I'll I'll just read out this little bit of it. Um, As Steve mentioned, there is much more to this job than simply driving. While safety and delivering a smooth ride is of the utmost importance, keeping the bus relatively clean, keeping the fuel and water tanks full, (laughs) and addressing mechanical problems, even checking into hotel rooms, are common duties for the tour bus driver. And of course, getting along with the clients and contributing to an overall good vibe is key. That is true. Um, The story that brings to mind is... um, I was out with Youth Club, and we played in uh, one of the L ones in the middle, Leeds or Leicester or, or Lickreham, one of the ones. Um, and Reese from Youth Club was like, oh, I need to go Tesco's to get whatever. Can I borrow the van? He was insured, whatever. It was all insured, whatever. It was fine. I was like, yeah, go on then, whatever. And then he phones me like 10 minutes later. He's like, Rob, is the, is the steering on the van really hard? Like really tough? And I was like, mm, not, not any more than any other car I've ever driven. Anyway, he comes back and it turns out the steering belt has... Wait, it wasn't, it wasn't the steering belt. It was the thing that makes the steering belt go round. The steering pump? It might have been the steering pump. Something had broken and you basically couldn't steer this van. I have no idea how he drove it back. Um, but we were planning to drive home that night, which is now obviously... Not going to happen. Um, so we panic. We panic for a minute. And then uh, I'm trying to get a midnight magician mechanic to come around. 
no luck. Uh, so we get a hostel, which is uh, it's just a mad sh- bunk bed, shared room thing. Uh, lead singer gets really drunk and is just shouting at like 6am <laughs> from raging all night. Um, and then I have to get up at like 7am um, to start ringing uh, garages. Luckily, I found someone who picks the van up, uh, takes it to his garage, fixes it. He's got Call of Duty zombies in the lobby, and I'm just smashing it. Level 20, no worries. Um, (laughs) And then it's fixed, and we just crack on to the next show. And to this day, I think it was the most outstanding feat I've ever pulled off. Uh, What else? What are the other... um, I mean, a smooth ride. Smooth ride. A guy called Matt did once tell me I was the smoothest ride he'd ever had. But that well, was in an good. automatic van, so I don't know if I really can <laughs> keep that. Um, keeping the bus relatively clean. <clears throat> I'll clean it when we start and I'll clean it when we finish, but anything in between, that's not my business, you know? You, you, you yeah. make the mess that you're going to live in there. That's up to you guys. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, keeping the fuel and water tanks full. I mean, if you don't keep the fuel tank full, or at least if you don't keep the fuel tank not empty, then yeah, you're a pretty bad bus driver, I guess. Yeah, that seems like a fairly basic requirement. Yeah, uh, although I did once run out of fuel, and that was actually how that, that transit van died. Oh, right. On the last day before I got my new van... I was really pushing my luck with that fuel gauge because I'm, like, I'm not filling this up. It's the last day I'm using it. And <laughs> I pushed my luck too far and it broke down like 30 seconds from my house and then sadly got scrapped a few days later. It's very sad. Oh, man. So how long, did you, how long did you have that van? I think I had that van for about two years. Um, and it went, you know what? It went to Dusseldorf and back. It went from South End to Dusseldorf to uh, Dover on one tank of fuel, which is the van's most impressive feat. Um. <laughs> what's the, yeah, wait, what's the, just the longest that you drove that van for one gig? Um, for one gig? Well, it'd probably be the Hamburg one. Um, oh no I think that was a couple of gigs but the, the Dusseldorf one was definitely one gig and it was a free bar free bar mm. wow I think it was um, it was a function thing at a uh, L'Oreal uh, staff party <laughs> yeah it was pretty fun um yeah, I think that was the longest single one. That is a long way. Like, I've coached it to Dusseldorf before oh, yeah. a few times. Um, Do you remember how long that was? I think the coach took, like, it was about 11, 12 hours. Wow. About I that. can't remember. Yeah, it was, that, um, long, it was a long time. That sounds like a bloody long time. Um, I can't remember how long it took us, but... Back to the, this article... Oh, yes. Um, a key element 
here is, of course, getting along with the clients and contributing to an overall good vibe. Good vibes. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm pretty patient, you know. And now I feel like I'm in a job interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I got a few tricks. Um, the main trick is what we call stress chocolate. So when you get stressed, you just whip a Yorkie down, and it, the, you know the sugar just takes care of a lot of a lot of the issues. Um, yeah, I was quite fortunate. I don't think there was anyone that I drastically didn't get along with. Um, I mean, maybe there was a few people I didn't fall in love with, but I think that's allowed. You can't love everyone, right? Yeah. Oh, no. I don't think you have to. I think it'd be be weird if you did. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, you strike me as a pretty easygoing guy. I'm glad. Um, Do you think that... First of all, do you think you're an easygoing guy? I like to think I'm a pretty easygoing guy. If I'm getting stressed about something, then, you know, it must be pretty important. Do you think being easygoing is an important part of... Uh, being a successful tour bus driver? Um, definitely. I don't know if... I'm sure, I'm sure most people have been the designated driver at one point in their life or picked up a drunk friend or even just not been as drunk as five of your friends and realised that they are all idiots. And then... And then give them the orcs cable and then try and drive down around the 406. And, you know, you just need a level of zen to crack that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then obviously there's that side, the more tour managing side, where you've got to be able to get some, some shit done. Uh, I was definitely lent more to the left. If the left is easygoing and right is tour managing, I definitely left lent slightly to the left. Um, yeah, perhaps that's one of my flaws, Billy. Perhaps I should work on that. I mean, I don't know, mate. <laughs> Do we need more managers in the world? I just mate. don't know the answer. Who's to say? <laughs> I'm just trying to start a discussion. You're doing a great job. <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, start something going, you know. Yeah. I, I'm not the one with the answers. say the best band I've ever played with is probably Beach for Tiger um, we we played together at Chinneries um, that's which in was gr- 
South End, right? Which is in South End, yes. Um, which was great, but we I saw them at where was it? It was some. It was the Seb Right Arms, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, in London. Um, and we saw them there, and it was a really quiet show. Um, but it was incredible. Me, uh, my mate Chris and Sam, I think Buddy may have been there. We were just front row. I mean, there was only front row because it was a quiet show. There was no second row. Um, and we were just losing our minds. They just sounded incredible. And they just had massive riffs, massive hooks, and so many um, textures going on. It was incredible. It really was one of the best gigs I've ever been to. And it was so intimate because there was like 12 people in the room. Yeah. Got to Be- give it to him. Beach for Tiger. Yes. Um, yeah. Like it. So I had a, lis- I had a little listen uh, oh, yeah. in preparation. Um, really enjoyable. Um, I'd say, you know, if you like... T- some, if you say if you like Tame Impala, uh, say say if you like Club Kuru, mm-hmm. um, this is gonna be right up your alley. It's got that real smooth, uh, that real smooth feel to it, um, like some of those kind of tight drums, interesting sounds, but oh, also yeah. you know it's pretty accessible stuff. Just they're nice songs. Um, Pretty sick, man. Pretty yeah, sick. It's super tight production, but pretty super wavy as well, which is a nice combo. I'd say. I do believe they have a release coming up soon. Yeah? Mm. Yeah, for shizzle. For shizzle. Uh, oh, 12th of October. Five years ago today, we released our first material. Man, five years. You sort of forget sometimes how long some bands have been going for, you know. Mm. Um, so I think it was especially like, you know, say if you see an artist just sort of seemingly spring out of nowhere in like the mainstream, pop, in, in into the mainstream music world and you're like, oh man, they can't have been doing this for very long. But actually they've been doing this for like 15 years, but no yeah. one's, no and then they've listening. just done a quick name change and popped out their best song and everyone's like, whoa, yeah. that's a good tactic. Yeah, you should always save your best band name to last, I guess. <laughs> always, have, always use your second best band name. So you, if you ever need to rebrand, you've got a better one waiting to go. Yeah, that's, that's good, my advice. That's some good advice. <laughs> um, I wonder if Beach for Tiger is second best or best or... Well, only time will tell. Yeah, I think it's their best. I think they're amazing. Beach for Tiger. It's a good, it's a nice thing. Got some really nice uh, art visuals going on on their Facebook page. Really nice pictures. Yeah, yeah. They've got some consistent artwork, which is a leaf that I could take out of their book. Yes, I think that's an important thing, isn't it? Like having yeah. a, like a an visual aesthetic. Yes. Or even an audio aesthetic. I would know. like to think audio aesthetic is more important. Does that make sense? Audio aesthetic? 
I don't know, but we know what we mean. We know what we mean, and hopefully you, dear listener, will know what <laughs> we mean too. Hey, listener, I love you. But I think that, um, just to draw on that, because I think it's quite an important point, the whole, like, I mean, it, you don't want to say, don't want to use the word brand, because that sounds kind of lame, but... I like to use the word brand. I'm yeah? not afraid of that word. You're not afraid of, you know, you're a bigger man than I. Um, <laughs> I get scared by that word sometimes. Which but word would you rather use? Brand. Ouvre. <laughs> Was that French? I think so. Wow. Identity. Flavor. Um, but I think it's a thing, isn't it? Because I, um, I think because for ages, uh, I've generally played with people and bands who you know will rock up and dressed in like whatever we'll play our show and all of our songs will be a little bit different you know there'll be one which will be a bit more like um you know punky upbeat and then there'll be like a eight minute chill out jam and you know slightly all over the place tonally yeah which is really fun to play yeah but then you see other people who seemed like they have like a tight package of a yeah. Like, this is who we are. Maybe they'll be wearing. They'll be wearing like jumpsuits. similar, yeah, jumpsuits, <laughs> or at the very least, like a similar color to each other. Yeah, and they have like you know, everything's in like a nice font on their Facebook page. Um, and you do sort of wonder, like, maybe you should be thinking more about that. I think there's a balance. You know, it's easy to write the same song ten times and then play that live um but it's also good to have 10 very similar songs there is a balance mm. but I think you guys like I think Ruskin has a fairly coherent um sound you know that's got, cool you guys have got like you know when you listen when you, when you listen to a Ruskin song you know, you can clearly tell that this is, you know, this is part of the Ruskin cinematic universe. <laughs> that's um, nice to hear. You know, so that's, I think that's quite, quite a good thing that you guys have got going. Sweet. I think from my, my perspective, where I've seen the songs come from different places, I think in my head they sort of <clears throat> still are that song. But perhaps, perhaps they have changed. I need to hear them in in uh, in a current from a current perspective. Yeah, mm. I will do that. We're meant to be having a band practice this Saturday, so I shall listen with a current ear. See what I hear. you enjoyed that conversation with rob hum if you like the sound of rob hum and you'd like to give his music a go um i've put a couple of links in the description to his band rooskin that's spelled r-o-o-s-k-i-n uh and they've released an ep kind of recently so check that out as well it's really good um beach for tiger the best band that rob ever played with 
also pretty good. Um, I have left a couple of just links in the description again. Uh, I recommend their song Toffee. It's just really, really smooth. Really, really good stuff. Um, if you like the podcast that you just listened to, why don't you give it a like, give it a share, uh, follow it, subscribe, or whatever your preferred platform wants you to do. Um, cover up by Isaac Gray. I recorded everything else. That's me, Billy Pratt. Um, until next time, uh, have a lovely day. Bye.